As we come to our scripture reading today, uh, this morning we continue to hear about the growth of the early church in the book of Acts. Uh, Last week we heard the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, which was one of the first stories about how that early church was being invited to broaden its borders beyond uh, the ethnic and cultural boundaries it had had. And since that time, uh, the church has just continued to grow. And there are more and more Gentiles or non-Jewish persons who are becoming part of the early church. Well, with this influx of diversity, it also brings an influx in conflict. As uh, we'll see in our passage this morning, Paul and Barnabas uh, have been out planting churches in uh, Gentile areas and Gentile churches. And um, these churches are thriving and growing, but soon some of the other uh, church leaders come and tell the Gentile communities that they need to begin to abide by the traditional Jewish practices of circumcision and dietary laws. And so on the surface, these uh, questions are about practices, but really they go much deeper than that. It goes into core questions about identity. Who are they? How are they being called to live? If they're going to be this one church, what is going to bind them together, if not the traditional practices that they have known? And so as we hear this passage this morning, I want to invite us just to listen with an ear toward discernment and to look at how this early community uh, seeks to address conflict and discern God's will in this changing and challenging time. So let us listen for the word of God. Our reading today is from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. Then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small discussion and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church, and as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary for them to be circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as God did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, God has made no distinction between them 
and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take him among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David which has fallen. From its ruins I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that all other peoples may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from a long ago. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh, gracious God, as we listen for your voice in our lives, open our ears to hear you calling to us and guide us in your ways. In your name we pray, amen. One of my favorite places in Oregon is the sand dunes. Uh, first discovered that area about 10 years ago and one of the gems on my first trip there was the John Dellenbeck Trail. Now this was unlike any trail I had been on before. It started at our campground, a lovely uh, path through the trees and the woods, but pretty soon it opened up to these amazing dunes, these undulating, beautiful dunes with sky and, and uh, trees in the far distance. But to call it a path would have been then a misnomer. Even a trail was a misnomer. There was no path through the sand. Instead, what there were were these tall brown posts with a little blue marker on the cap. And you just kind of had to look for the next one and try to find your way there. They were put out in such a way that the idea was you should be able to see the next one from where you are. But there were some cases where you just had to start walking and wait for the next one to come into view. When I think about our lives this last year, it feels a lot like that trail. We have all been on well-worn paths, and then all of a sudden, when the pandemic came, the trail just ended right in front of us. Suddenly, we were in new territory, and gradually, there were some markers along the way. We were told to aim toward online school, online church. If you do go out, aim toward a mask. You gotta wear a mask and stay six feet apart. And so for the last year, we have kind of tried to find our way post by post. Sometimes knowing where we're going, sometimes just having to start walking and hope that the path would emerge. 
Even now, we are still waiting to see where our path will take us individually, communally, even as things open up. We're not sure where things are leading. In fact, I've been reading this book uh, lately called Susan Beaumont, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in a Liminal Season. Uh, could also easily be called How to Live When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Living in a Liminal Season. And it's a really helpful book because it talks about this whole idea of liminality, which uh, really means threshold. It comes from the word limen in Latin, which was the stone that was placed over the threshold of a door that you would have to mount uh, in order to cross over. And it's basically the in-between time, right? You've left behind the space and the area that you know, and yet you're not yet into this new space that will emerge. And there's naturally a lot of fear and anxiety and concern that comes in that time. We want to hurry up and know uh, where we're going, how we're going to get there. But sometimes we are invited to be in this time of threshold. And that's the argument that uh, Susan Beaumont uh, talks about in this book, that that is also a time that is ripe for transformation and for new life. I think for so many of us, uh, this pandemic time has been a liminal time. The, the old ways that we've known um, are, are not working for us in the same way. We've had to leave them behind. And everything from sort of how we shop to groceries for where we do our work to how we even view the world through the lens of white supremacy and racism, even the values that we hold, everything has been sort of upturned as we try to figure out how do we find our way forward. And um, I think this is also, this is true for us individually and uh, as a church, that we are in this liminal time. And so what I appreciate about our text today is that it is also a text about liminality and confusion and discernment and how to move forward when the way isn't always clear. As I said in the setting the context portion of the, the service, um, this early church is growing and they're entering a new threshold. Uh, the, the spirit is out there and moving and more and more people are coming into the church, but they are not uh, the Jewish Christians that have begun this church. They are Gentiles and they don't have the same relationship to the law. And so as it happens when you bring diverse communities together, there is this conflict. And on the surface, it does seem about things like practices, but it goes much deeper. That this is really a core question about identity and how is God calling them to live? And what does it even mean to be followers of Jesus, to be faithful to God? And if they are gonna be one community bound together, if they're not gonna be held together by these traditional practices and, and uh, covenants and laws that they've known, then what is going to hold them together? And so this is a time of deep uh, division, conflict, uh, confusion, as they try to figure out how to move forward. And yet, in this passage, what we also see is um, a little bit about process and about how our spiritual ancestors tried to discern their way forward. Now, in some ways, the author of Acts uh, makes this whole debate look kind of easy. It says they had no small debate and dissension, but then they talked to the leaders and figured it out. 
Uh, but I think it was probably much more embroiled than that, probably much longer, um, and required a lot of discernment and energy on the part of the people involved. There are a few things that our, um, that our story shares with us that I think can be helpful for us in terms of how we think about our own discernment for our lives and for our church and for the communities that we're involved in. First of all, when, when the questions arose, the conflicts arose with Paul and, and Barnabas and these other leaders, um, the first thing that they did is they, they actually broadened out the conversation. They got other people involved. When they realized they were just butting heads, uh, they decided to go back to the mothership, to Jerusalem, and to talk with the leaders there. And I think this is helpful for us, whether the questions and the conflicts we're having are internal or whether they're uh, in, within a community that we're having or discernment that we're trying, that we broaden out the conversation, right? That we get other people involved to help us think, how are we being called to live at this time? And so they go back to Jerusalem, they go back to these, these elders and these apostles who welcome them. And then they begin to listen together for how the Spirit is moving in their lives. So at first, Peter, who's one of the great leaders, shares his experience of Revelation, where he's seen the Spirit at work. And he talks about a, a vision um, that he had. Uh, we skipped it in the book of Acts earlier, but he had a vision uh, before this where um, a sheet came down from heaven and there were all these unclean animals on it. And then he subsequently got a call to go visit this centurion, a Roman centurion, Cornelius. And in that exchange, he realized that um, God was less concerned about figuring out all these dietary laws and more concerned about welcoming people, including these Gentiles, into the community. And so Peter reiterates this learning that he and others have, have had already, though they're clearly still debating it, but they talk about this uh, revelation. Then it says, after this listening, they all kept silence. It's just two words in there, kept silence, but I think that is such a key part of discernment. For a little while, they, um, they let themselves just be quiet, right? They let themselves just uh, listen to whatever the Spirit wanted to share with them, to whatever God wanted to say to them. They put the, the debating aside, they put the internal chatter aside, and they just tried to listen to how God was speaking to them, how God was touching their souls. And I think so often um, we, we don't leave enough time for silence. We don't invite God into the conversation. And yet here they model that for us to make room for the spirit to move. I could say a whole lot more about this. It'll have to be in another sermon. But cultivating those practices of silence can be so key. Uh, just to figuring out, attending to what does our soul even need. So after this time of first Peter sharing revelation and then silence, they move on to deep listening again, this time about experience and the experience that Paul and Barnabas have had in these Gentile churches. Experiences that um, show them that the spirit is alive and well in these churches. These churches are thriving, they're growing. The people are loving God and loving neighbor. And even though they're not um, obedient to the commands in the same way or circumcised, 
It's clear the spirit is still at work. And so they hear these testimonies about experience. And then finally, the fourth component, along with revelation, silence, and experience, is James takes all of this and holds it up against scripture, against tradition. And he goes back and reads the prophets. And he comes along this piece in Amos where it says that Jews and Gentiles will come together and seek God together. And so what James realizes is that this bringing in Gentiles is not new. It's something God has been longing for all along, been working toward all along. And so as they do this discernment, they realize that it's not just about what they want, but it's about what God has been orchestrating and working toward that kingdom of God that, that God longs for. And so each of these techniques, this revelation and silence and experience and scripture, is how they come together to, to ask, who are we called to be? How is God calling us to live? How are we going to be the church in the world today? Now, the passage ends there. Uh, if we were to keep reading, we would hear that they decided that circumcision wasn't going to be proscribed. And instead, they, they send a letter to the churches to that effect. Instead, they tell them to um, keep some of the dietary laws. Uh, but even that later, they're, they're going to have more debates on. But in the meantime, the, the essence is that they err on the side of inclusion. And in order to uh, get to that, they, they had to listen to each other and to God, and to their own hearts. And so I just love this model for us, individually and as a church, because I think in times of liminality, we want, we want answers, we want to know, or at least I want to know, this is the way to go, this is how you get there, this is what you're supposed to do. And instead, this is really an invitation to, to listen and to look for what God is doing in the world. Uh, Susan Beaumont, in her book, uh, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, she talks about the difference between deciding and discerning. And deciding is when you are trying to figure out the outcomes, and you're invested in the outcomes, and you get to where you want to be. And discernment, she said, is about letting go of the outcomes, not being attached to them, but rather just listening for where uh, the spirit is moving. And she quotes an author, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, who defines discernment this way. Uh, Barton says discernment is, quote, an ever-increasing capacity to see the work of God in the midst of the human situation so that we can align ourselves with whatever God is doing. Discernment is a quality of attentiveness to God that over time develops our sense of God's heart and purpose in the moment. And I just love this idea of trying to discern where the spirit is at work and aligning ourselves with that. Because I think that just fits with this whole idea that our lives are the richest, they're the fullest, they're the most meaningful and generative when we can follow God's lead. And in order to follow God's lead, we look for where the spirit is at work at the world. 
Now, I feel like this last year of pandemic has been a time for all of us to do some deep evaluation as our lives have just been turned upside down. We really have a chance to reevaluate who are we? Who are we called to be? What are the things that maybe the well-worn paths that we were on that we don't want to be on anymore? What are the new ways um, to which God is leading us? And um, the same is really uh, true for us as a church, that we've had this time to, to begin to reevaluate who are we? Where is God leading us? And I think part of what helps us discern is that listening to each other, that silence, and looking for where the Spirit is most alive in our own lives and community. And so I think about this for each of us personally, to ask the question of where do we see the Spirit most alive? I know for some of us, it's just been a time to really evaluate what we want our lives to look like and the priorities that we have. I think about a neighbor of mine who has been working from home through the last year and his business realized that the employees were much happier and more productive working from home and so they're not going back to an office. I think about uh, myself as I've shared in the sermons before that this, um, this more time that I've had with my family as many of our activities have been canceled has given us these, these deepening relationships and just joy in being together in a way that we hadn't experienced before, in part because of our schedules and things being so full of activities. And so as I think about that and as we begin to re-engage in our lives, it's like how can we attend to that aliveness of the Spirit that comes actually in Sabbath and is not having as much to do. And I know for many of us, as I've talked with us just in the last few weeks, life is picking up. And many of us are just adding back in the things that we've done. And we already can tell it's not life-giving. So how can we attend to those places where it is life-giving and move our lives in that direction? These are the same kinds of questions that we are asking at church, as we have had time also to evaluate who are we going to be as a church. And when I ask the question, where is the spirit most alive in our church and in our community? One of the places where I see it is in the work of Respond to Racism, this community group that we have helped to nurture, but really is, is, has a life of its own and has just become a force in Lake Oswego of connection and impacting the city and uh, the schools. And just this week, um, the Respond to Racism meeting had a wonderful conversation about Asian American members of the Lake Oswego community as they shared about what it's like to be Asian American in this community. And it was such a powerful conversation to um, hear the panelists share their joys and their challenges, the, the joys and the pride that they take in who they are, but also the challenges of struggling with self-worth, of feeling silenced, of not always uh, having a room or a way to speak up or feel like they can be themselves. And uh, it was just a, a wonderful time to think about how can we get on board with what the Spirit is doing? How can we get on board with this change and this awareness and this um, growing desire to have more equity and inclusion in our community? And there's so many other places in our church and in our community where the Spirit is at work, but the question is, 
how do, we, how do we discern those and get on board with them so that we can be part of uh, what God is doing in the world? So I think this is just an exciting time. It's a challenging time to be alive. It's a challenging time to be the church, but it's also an exciting time as God is revealing a new path before us. And as we have the, the privilege and the opportunity to discern where it is that God is leading. I don't have all the answers, and that's why we need each other. And, and in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be doing more discernment here at church. Uh, this summer, we have a speaking series planned to um, help us in worship think about and have others of us share where is the Spirit at work in our lives? Where is God leading us and guiding us as individuals? And then we hope toward the end of the summer or in the fall to have another church-wide uh, visioning and listening process as together we try to discern how God is leading us. Um, I don't know where the path will lead, but I do know that God is with us. And I do know that God will give us signposts along the way. Even if sometimes we have to take some steps to get there, I know that it will emerge. And so may we open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to see and to listen and to feel how God is calling us. And may we continue to take steps along our journeys. Amen.